What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And guys, uh, it's hard to believe, but summer is soldiering along, and we are at the end of July. Hard to believe, man. The season is just around the corner. But for us here, since it's the end of July, that means it's time for the July Listener Mailbag, where we answer all of your pressing Georgia football questions, or at least try to. Uh, and as is seemingly always the case, you guys load us up with questions, so in order to get to all of them, we will be again recording two parts to the July mailbag, with part one, obviously, coming today, and part two later in the week. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different with this month's mailbag shows. Uh, with all the recruiting news kind of floating around uh, about summer visits and commitments, you guys have been paying attention to all that, you know what's been floating around out there. So we got quite a few recruiting-focused questions from you guys this month. Which completely makes sense, like I said, you know, given that there have been so many big developments over the past few weeks, it makes sense. So this month, we're going to divide the mailbag shows up into one all-recruiting edition and one all-team edition. And since the recruiting news is a little more time-sensitive, we're going to roll with the recruiting edition of the July mailbag first today. Uh, but before we start dipping into all your questions, we wanted to remind you quickly that you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. You can email us at GloryUGAPodcast at gmail.com. And you can check us out on our Glory UGA Podcast Facebook page. So feel free to send us any of your thoughts or questions. We always welcome the interaction. And actually, if, uh, if you've got any team questions for the mailbag later this week, send those in. You still have time to get the team questions in. We've got quite a few lined up already. But if you've got a few you'd like to throw away, feel free to any of those platforms there. You can also subscribe to, review, and share our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, and the Stitcher and TuneIn apps. All right, Kurt, we got quite a few questions here on the recruiting front, so let's go ahead and open this July mailbag up. And we're going to start, number one here today is a question from Robert via email. And Robert, we're going to start with Robert's question because of all the recruiting developments that are taking place right now, there's a lot going on, guys. But Justin Fields in the quarterback position that seems to be where the majority of the interest lies. A lot of things going on that are interesting in themselves, but obviously everyone's attention is focused on Justin Fields, especially with what happened over the weekend with our other top quarterback target, Matt Corral, coming to Florida. So Robert ask us uh, this, the following. I know these things change, but with Matt Corral committing to Florida over the weekend, how would you handicap Justin Fields' recruitment right now? Kurt, I'm going to let you open it up for us on this one. Um, to me, I don't know. The only way to really make that out is I think it's down to a two-team race in all honesty. I think that's the only way to look at it now. And I, I think it'll happen. You, you hear multiple dates of when it could happen. You know, it's August and September. But um, I think it'll go down probably the next two weeks, and it'll probably be between those two programs. What two programs? Uh, Florida State and Georgia. Oh, no Auburn? Auburn's out of it? I... I would like to th- – I, I think so because, you know, in my opinion, they've only gotten, what, maybe one or two visits compared to how much he's gone to the other two programs. Yeah, I mean, he's been to Auburn uh, relatively recently, um, but not as recent as he has been to, to Athens here and to Tallahassee to visit Florida State. So I think Auburn's – okay, they're probably – they're on the outside looking in right now. Is that fair to say? Probably. Yeah. I mean, we don't know for sure, but from if you follow the visits, and I'm a big believer in the whole idea of follow the visits wherever these guys go – doesn't always match up where they end up committing, but typically aligns pretty closely to at least who they're heavily considering. And Auburn, while he's visited them, he hasn't visited them as as much as he has uh, Tallahassee and Athens. So uh, I'm kind of with you there on the Florida State-Georgia uh, 
outlook on where Fields is probably going to end up. But what's your take on the Matt Corral deal? That kind of I'll be honest, man. That completely took me by surprise that he ended his commitment over the weekend. How, how do you? How are you looking at that? Am I? You know, I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but it's just it, it's interesting that he did it before even visiting Georgia. Um, that is because the, they yeah. have been the top on the top of his list for a while. Yeah. And what, so. Well, that's going back to. There's an interview at the Nike Opening Elite Eleven Finals out there in Oregon. And, uh, of course, I think it's either Jeff Sintel or someone along those lines uh, interviewing him. And uh, asked him about Georgia and would you say Georgia's your leader right now? And he, he essentially said yes and kind of qualified that by saying, well, he, we set the standard for him. We, he, we were the ones that kind of, kind of blew his mind open a little bit down, uh, when he came down to Athens out from California. Kind of opened up his, his mind to what it could be like playing in the SEC. So we kind of set the standard, but he had to go see the other schools in the southeast. And his plan was to make a swing around the southeast, you know, Florida, Alabama, Georgia – and then uh, kind of take all that in and make his decision from there. But he essentially he at least intimated that we were his leader. So he goes to Florida. He's supposed to be scheduled to come to a visit us uh, on the 26th, right? It's supposed yeah. to be this week, uh, Wednesday, right? I think that's what when the 26th is. But he's supposed to visit us. Well, obvi- obviously, he goes to Florida, likes it enough, commits for whatever reason, ends up committing, and, de- and cancels his visit to Athens, a scheduled visit to what at one point was his professed leader on the 26th. So... What does that all mean? Is I mean, it could mean a lot of things, to be honest. Um, what to you? Just, what, what, do you what, what does it all mean to you? Because you're right. We don't know. But if, if you had to guess, what's the most know, likely I scenario? I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, you know, it seems that him and Justin Fields talk. Well, we know they were both in uh, in Gainesville on Friday night. Well, see, we know they talked there. It seems that he told Fields Friday that he was going to be committing to Florida. Well, well it, well, that seems to be like we're – again, because we Fields don't know. Made the comment there's going to be some big news tomorrow, but not for me. Yeah, Fields came out and said that. Yeah. about Matt Corral. So, you know, I, it's, it's weird because he, he had just gotten there that Friday and was pretty much decided then he's going to commit to Florida. So something had to be going on behind the scenes telling him that – Georgia really wasn't an option anymore to not even visit. I think that's a very reasonable assumption to make. Uh, again, it's an assumption. We don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Right. But very, like you said, it's just it, for some reason, something had to click in his head for him to only been in Florida for half a day, really, to decide, you know, Georgia, who had been leading for me, is no longer an option. Yeah, to completely shut it down, say, nope, Without I'm going visit. to Florida. Right. Without even the visit. So then, to me, that's that's the big question here. Okay, so why do you shut it down? without even making the visit the following week to Georgia, just to make sure. And this is the school that you had professed at one time was your leader. Uh, and maybe his Florida visit was that great. So to me, one of three things likely happened. Again, we do not know because we're, we're not there. We, we don't know. But if you're looking at it from the outsider's point of view, kind of looking from the outside in here, I think one of three things likely happened. Either A, he visited Florida and was just so completely blown away that he wanted to end the process right then and there uh, without making the rest of his visits on his little southeast, southeastern swing he was making. And it had nothing to do with, with Justin Fields. He just thought Florida was the place for him. That's where he wanted to be. He wanted to end it right there. Maybe that's the case. Um, although I, I do somewhat have a hard time believing that, considering Jim McElwain's uh, resume as a recruiter at Florida. But maybe maybe he blew him away. Maybe he learned something from his misses in the past couple years. So that's possible. Uh, then B, uh, another option would be that it was communicated to crowd by our staff, that Fields is number one on our board. We were being pretty transparent and saying, like, Justin Fields is number one on our board. You're right there, too. But we aren't ready to accept a commitment from, from you, Corral, until Fields makes his, makes his decision. I think that's also a plausible scenario. And then, Or it could be C, that uh, Corral either strongly felt or knew 
that Justin Fields was going to commit to us, uh, or maybe at least a strong lean to us, and thus went ahead and pulled the trigger to Florida. And maybe the Florida coaches were saying, saying, look, man, you know, we don't want to be left without anybody. So they went with the whole scenario of, hey, at Georgia, Fields is their number one guy. For us, you're number one. We want you. And they, and they sold him on that because they realized we might, be, we might miss on both of them if we don't go ahead and lock in Crowell right now. So I think any of those scenarios probably work. Which one do you think is probably most likely? We don't know, but if you had to guess on which one probably is closer to being accurate, where would you go? The one where he just kind of realized Georgia was no longer an option. I I kind of and, and look and am I a homer? Yeah, I try to be a reasonable homer. Um, yeah, I do that's what I'm trying to be reasonable. Rem- I'm not trying to just you know be straight up all about Georgia. I mean that's what we are. But I mean yeah, I mean I look just... at things through red and black glasses. I do, but still I try to be as objective about it as I can. Um, it, but I think it's very plausible that. He, like you said, felt he got some indication because from whatever thing, source Georgia if, wasn't off anymore. If Phil sits there and goes, hey, man, I'm going to Florida State, why would Corral and then in turn not at least visit Georgia? Exactly. And that's what I keep coming back to. Why – were you really just that blown away? Because he had plans to visit all these different schools. And he had Are you really just that blown day. away? It'd been there half a day. You're not going to be that blown away in half a day. Yeah, I mean, anything's possible. Especially with old donkey teeth over there not being a great recruiter. Exactly. So, I mean, look, anything's possible. It, that could be a scenario that took place. I just don't think that's as likely, given what we know, as him feeling it. Maybe he was told, maybe he just got the uh, the vibes that we weren't an option anymore from talking to Fields, from talking to our coaches. Florida might have been selling him something, too. You kind of put all that together. I think he got a, at least a, at least a strong feeling that we weren't as legitimate an option for him anymore, based on what where Fields was leaning. And Fields, remember, Fields is just just coming off two visits with a five day span to us the week before. So, and, and we, like you said, we mentioned they, had, they they were both in Gainesville on Friday night. Talk, I mean, they obviously talked to each other. So I, I'm sure they were shared a little intel on maybe not openly exactly what they were doing, but I, I'm sure there were some indications given one way or the other. At least I feel that that's probably the most likely scenario. But I mean, we don't know. We'll see. We'll definitely see. So, are you uh, are you feeling? I mean, this is not exactly what Robert asked, but are you feeling confident about Fields? I know that we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I'm you, not confident. But I'm not. You know, when when you saw the crowd committed, what was your initial reaction? The initial thought that ran through your head. What was it? I think exactly what I've been saying. You know that something about that's not right about him not to even you know taking the visit Georgia. Something else is going on. That's that's how I saw it. Honestly, what I, the first thing I thought was okay. This at least takes one major competitor out yeah, of the running. You and, I, you and I actually texted that night, and we both yeah. were talking about you know it wasn't that. I mean, yeah, we're, we hate that we missed out on a prospect like Corral, but there's something more to it. It, it seems that way. It certainly seems that way, and. For me, the first thing I thought, and I mentioned this to you when we were texting on, uh, was it was it Friday night or was it Saturday night? Saturday, Saturday night, yes. Uh, is the first thing in my mind was okay. That's one competitor down for Justin Fields' signature, and it, and I'm with you that it's now a Florida State us battle. With Auburn maybe on the outside. I'm still thinking strongly it's it's Florida State Georgia. Uh, so on one hand, it's, like, it's kind of exciting, kind of exhilarating. Okay, there's one competitor down now. There's one less option for him. It's down to two. But at the same time, it's also kind of nerve-wracking because Florida State, I mean, they're, they're a recruiting superpower as well, just like we are. And maybe they've been even more so of a recruiting superpower over the past five, six years than we have consistently. Um, so it's tough to count them out. I think uh, if you look at their depth chart, it might be a little more favorable. Although I will say, DeAndre Francois, do you see him as a guy that's going to leave after his junior year? No. I think he's probably going to be a four-year or at least a three-year starter for them. Uh, or 
well, I would say at least a three, maybe even a four-year starter. Well, he was a redshirt freshman last year. I could see him saying he was redshirt senior year. I, think, I don't know if he's that big of an, an NFL prospect. So I'm not sure that the road to playing time is more open to Tim Florida State than this year in Athens because Eason will probably be gone after his junior year, so he'll have an open battle there with Jake Fromm, which is a year earlier than he would have an opportunity to compete for a job at Florida State if DeAndre Francois was to stay through his redshirt senior year. Um, but Florida State, man, like I'm nervous. I'm nervous about them. Uh, I can't sit here and say I'm super confident. I, I like the fact that Florida's out of the picture now, or you would at least seem to think they were out of the picture now. Um, but it's Florida State's a tough one, man. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. Really, when it comes to this kind of stuff, I absolutely am and expect the worst, but hope for the best type of guy. I want to believe, and, I, and I, part of me does believe, but I've also been burned so many times. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've burned so many times on all these recruits that I thought we were going to get, and then the last second get left holding the bag. So maybe I'm kind of just scarred by that. Uh, all right, one more question here uh, on Justin Fields. This is from Dan via email. Uh, with So thank you, uh, Dan. We appreciate the question. With Corral now committing to Florida and no word yet from Fields, at least that I'm aware of, where do we turn as a safety net, or is that a premature reaction? What's your take on that? Uh, I think it's a premature reaction. But something uh, you got to be thinking about here because we have to have a quarterback I mean, in this class. something to think about, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know if you want to stop giving – you know, it's almost – No, you, you you have to go out all out on Justin Fields until he says, I'm not talking to you anymore. That's the thing. you got to go all out and not give up. But do you not as, – as a coaching staff, is it still not your responsibility to at least start thinking about an I mean, yeah, you alternate plan? I mean, you start thinking about it, but – for the in the eyes of you know us the fans and things like that people on recruiting boards you're not going to see offers going out for other quarterbacks until I think it'll be really under the radar Uh, but it might not be new offers maybe we kind of rekindle some things with some guys we offered previously and they haven't been communicating with as much because we were focusing so much attention on fields and corral because we were getting a lot a lot of attention from them why wouldn't you Uh, so maybe we try to pick up the attention on some of those. Other guys who, let's be real, are going to be our backup options. Means they're going to be, you know, rated much lower. There are guys that aren't. I don't want to say I don't. I don't know if I believe Fields is a can't miss prospect. I think he's going to be. A, I do think he's going to be a monster. But um, some guys that are projects at the best at best of the quarterback position. So if you had to pick one, are there a couple guys out there that you're like, eh, we could probably if, if we miss on Fields, we could turn to this guy and probably end up getting him. No, I, I yeah. don't have it at the top of my I head. I don't know. I honestly, I don't have a name. Like you would think, maybe a Jaron Williams from Central Gwinnett, but okay, the guy's already—he's already committed to Kentucky twice. He commits Kentucky, decommits, and he gets more attention. Then decides to recommit to Kentucky. I don't see him decommitting, and we're not. I, I just don't see us getting into that one. Uh, and I'm, I'm not that high on Jaron Williams. I saw him at the seven on seven, seven on seven camp up here, and at least in that setting, he didn't impress me all that much. He was just an, another guy out there playing quarterback, throwing the football around, That at least that day. So I don't know about that. Um, but there's some other guys, some dual threat guys that we offered that, that we could try to get back into. That most of them are committed elsewhere. So, so I don't know, man. Like I, If we don't get fields, if, we're, if we are left holding the bag for both fields and corral, we are going to uh, we're gonna have to be reaching for a major project. And that's uh, with our quarterback death, although we have two really quality quarterbacks on campus right now. Uh, that's scary uh, in terms of our depth situation. So I don't know. Uh, I want to say it's premature, but it's something I think our coaching staff has to at least start preparing for in some way, shape, or form. All right. 
Let's move on here to question number three, and this is from Nate on Facebook. Thank you for the question, Nate. We appreciate it, man. And Nate asks, what's your take on, Mar- your take on Marquez Ezard to Florida State? Is that a big loss for our 2018 class? How do you see that one, Kurt? Um, to me, the biggest thing is, I mean, I don't think it's a huge loss. I mean, the guy runs, what, almost a 4.8, 4.9? He was uh, he was timed at essentially a 4.8. I think it was a 4.7, 9, 4.8 at the Nike opening regional here in Atlanta uh, in the spring. Yeah. Not explosive. Um, Not explosive. I, just see, I mean, I think he's going to be a good guy, uh, but I think there's other guys higher on our board. Yeah, and I know it's it's so cheap and easy to say uh, when a guy that we were at least reported to be in the mix for uh, ends up picking another school. It's so cheap and easy to say, well, we weren't recruiting him, you know, or, or we were backing off of him, or he wasn't as high on our board. It's easy to say that, but in some cases, it's true. Okay, it's not I, yeah, always true, but sometimes he it is. High on our board, but I, I think we had cooled on him. I mean, the guy had purposely moved back his commitment, which is interesting because it didn't change where right. he was going. Right. Well, if you look at Various reports out there from different sources. Uh, if you look at just the interviews of some of these guys, some of the things that these guys have said from their own mouths, uh, it seems to be that we were placing more of an emphasis on Josh Vanna Tucker and Karis Jackson out of Peach County. Those two wide receivers were the guys that we were going head and we were going for above Ezard. He was they were higher on our board um, over the past month or so. Now, that doesn't mean that we weren't recruiting Ezra. You, guys, one thing you have to understand about recruiting is we recruit everybody at all times. You're always recruiting people, but you don't recruit everyone with the same ferocity, with the same intensity. And I do think that we had cooled somewhat on Ezra because we had zeroed in on Josh Van and Kyrus Jackson based on our spring evals, our summer evals on these guys, and felt that those are the guys that we wanted to go after first, ahead of Ezra. And if we miss on one of those guys, then you fall back and then Ezra moves up the board. But until that happens... He was, in my opinion, based on things that, that you read, things that you see, he was slightly lower on our board than Van and Jackson were. Um, so do you want to say that we just basically backed off on him? You could say that to a degree. I think we were still recruiting him, but I don't think – I'm not sure he was a take right now for us. And again, that's cheap to say, but I'm not 100% sold that he would, be, he would have been a take for us right now without Van and Jackson both telling us, no, we're going elsewhere. Um, and look, that's not a, a, too much of a knock on Ezra. He's he's a solid player. I think he's going to be okay, um, but I don't think that he's a, an alpha male type receiver. I, I think he's more of a complimentary piece. Like you mentioned at, at the Nike opening regional Atlanta in the spring, he ran a four eight forty laser time forty, which is uh, that that that's not great. <laughs> I mean, that's not explosiveness right there. Again, and that's okay. He's a complimentary type guy. I think he'll probably do some solid, decent things for Florida State. But I don't think he's going to be a superstar on there. I don't think he would be a superstar for us. Um, but I'll, and I'll be real, guys, though. I, I'll take it a step further. I'm honestly just not that excited about any of our major targets at wide receiver in this class, at least the ones that we're like heavily mentioned with publicly. We like and got is, Ezra Jackson banned. We'll, we'll may, take at most maybe two because the fact of the matter is we've got two five stars committed right now in this. I think class we'll, I think we're going to take definitely two, maybe three, if the third guy is the right guy. Because like, I think if we get Van and Jackson in the fold, then we can sit back and feel comfortable and say, if we if we don't get a third, we're fine. Because we got we got Hazelwood and Blaylock next year. We signed a bunch of receivers last year. Uh, some guys, some big bodies I think can be really good for us. Um, and then we can sit back and say, okay, so we feel comfortable there. Let's just take a shot, a flyer, at some of these highly rated guys and just see what happens. Um, and if we end up landing that third guy, that's great. If not, then fine. We'll be satisfied with two. 
But honestly, like, and I, I, I know this. It, it, I guess it is a shot at them. I don't mean it to be that. But just being honest in my evaluation watching these guys, I just don't think that any of those three, whether it's Jackson, Van, or Ezard, I don't think I, any of those are true number one alpha wide receivers. I think they're all complementary pieces. And that's okay. You need those guys. But I don't think missing on any of those three is, a, is devastating by any stretch. Am I off base in that assessment? No, I think you're right. Not one of them's an alpha male. Yeah, I mean, if we got Van, I'd be happy. If we got Jackson, sure, I'd be happy. That's great. But I don't think missing on them, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, how do we lose them? Like, I'm just not because these guys, I don't think they're game changers. I think they're guys that can help you win and can do some nice things for you, but I don't think they're irreplaceable. There's other guys in the class that are similar. These guys don't just stand off the charts to me, or um, at least from what I've seen from them so far. But yeah, I think that's what I would look at with Ezra. He's gonna be a, he'll be a good player. He'll, be, he'll probably do some good things, but it's not a huge loss. He's not I, I, he's not better than Van. He's not better than Jackson. I, I put him. As, I, I think our coaches did, got it right in their evaluation that he's probably a step below them. Um, if you're looking at Van or Jackson, which guy would you say you're higher on? Probably Jackson. Why is that? Uh, I just think he's a little bit better. I, I think Van is actually really good as own said. I think Jackson's just a little bit better right now. Yeah, I think now. it's a preference thing. I mean, Jackson's a bigger body. He's got a bigger, more physical body right now. Um, more college-ready body, I'd say. But Van, I think I think Van is more explosive. I do than Jackson right now. And he, Van went out and had a really good uh, showing at the opening out there and uh, moved to the rankings a little bit. I think he's he's a smaller guy. Uh, he's about what five ten or so. 175, 185 pounds, somewhere in that range. It's just not quite as big. doesn't mean he can't be a good player. He, I think he will be. Um, but I would probably go with Van just because of the explosiveness factor. Although Jackson might be able to do a little bit more just because of the body size right now. Interesting. That's an interesting concept there. All right, uh, let's move on to question number four. This is from Colton on Twitter. Um, this one is the most timely of the questions because uh, he actually just snuck this in right before we recorded. Um, this is about Caleb Tanner, a guy who just committed out of Miller Grove High School. So Colton asks us, should we be excited about Caleb, the Caleb Tanner commitment? I'm sure he's a good player, but we need to get some of these big names to pull the trigger to get the momentum going. So that's a direct message on Twitter from Colton. Kurt, how are you? Are you excited about the Caleb Tanner commitment? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited right now because we're about to, we're about to have very little depth at the outside linebacker position, uh, in all honesty. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be losing uh, – Bellamy and Carter, and there might be some other people. You just don't know. I mean, right now we don't even have that much depth in general, right there. Yeah. Um, especially with you don't know. We what's have, going we have on. zero proven depth at that position and behind. We don't know what's going on with Robert yeah. Beal. Yeah, um, exactly. With his academics, so I mean, that's a spot at the current time that's still open. So I mean, I still think we land Adam Anderson. So I think right now we want to take two to three good outside linebackers, and um, you don't maybe if you some of these other guys want to come on board, like the big name guys want to come on board later, you still can. But right now we've got to have some bodies in case they don't come. Yeah, dude, he's a take all day long. I mean, it's no question to me whatsoever. And yes, the answer to your question, Colton. Should we be excited about the Caleb Tanner commitment? Is is a definite yes. We should absolutely be excited about this guy. If you watch him, I know he's not like as big of a name on the recruiting scene as a Britton Cox or Adam Anderson, uh, KJ Henry, Micah Parsons. I know he's not a big as big of a name as some of those guys, but he has every bit the upside that any of those guys have. Uh, he's six three, about two twenty five, two thirty, somewhere in that range. He's really explosive. He's got great length, um, but his. I will say he's more raw than some of those guys. His tools are more raw, but he has the raw tools. And he just needs to sharpen his game. Uh, I think, honestly, athletically, 
Upside-wise, I think he compares very well with Britton Cox, in my opinion. And Cox is a little longer right now, a little bit bigger at this point. He's a little more advanced technique-wise with how he uses his hands and how he plays with leverage on the edge there. But in terms of just sheer athleticism and long-term potential down the road, I think Tanner is every bit the type athlete that Britton Cox is. I see very little difference between them from that uh, from that perspective. Uh, Cox is probably a little bit ahead technique-wise, but that's something you can teach these guys once they get on campus. So yes, I think we should definitely be excited about Caleb Tanner. I think he has the potential to be a terror off the edge as a pass rusher. I think he could be an elite pass rusher. Maybe not from day one, but give him a year or two, and I think this guy can be a major contributor getting after the passer for us. So I, I'm very high on him. And you're right. Uh, right now, we need, we need to get some bodies to that position. You know, Adam Anderson, I think there's a, a good chance we get him back in the fold, but it looks like he's going to take his decision out a, little, a little bit longer than maybe we expected after his decommitment from LSU. Uh, Britton Cox obviously already committed to Ohio State. We're not giving up on him uh, by any stretch, but we need a, a body, and uh, Caleb, Tanner, Caleb Tanner is more than a body. This guy has the potential to be very, very good for us off the edge as a pass rusher. So, yeah, I definitely think we should be excited for him, um, and uh, I think he's going to do big things for us down the road here. All right, question number five is from Jesse on Twitter. Definitely appreciate it, Jesse. Jesse's one of our loyal listeners. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Jesse asks us, uh, what is our updated defensive line big board for 2018? How are you going to look at that, Kurt? Because this, um, this, well, this has been in flux for a while, man. Yeah, it has. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of people. I think we're going to look at some JUCOs. I think you still look at the kid out of South Carolina. Sand, uh, North Carolina, Sandage? Yeah, Sandage, Sandbridge. Yeah. Um, I still think that he's a good option right now. And I think there's other people, I mean, that – we still don't know right now. I mean, it's one of those things that I think it's going to be more into the season. You're going to see some more offers thrown out and some more interest depending on how our, our D-line guys respond. Yeah, the uh, you, yeah, you're right. And look, this is this is a question I've had myself, honestly. I'm not pretend I'm an expert here on this question. I just don't know uh, because a lot was thrown into flux when we switched over from Tracy Rocker to Trey Scott because the guys Tracy Rocker was targeting going after – we're not necessarily the same guys that Trey Scott had been recruiting at North Carolina and Ole Miss before coming to Georgia. And, not this, and so their boards look different. And over the, the course of the spring and summer during the evaluation period, I've been trying to piece together who's coming to town, who are we going after, who's Scott really targeting. And it's, it's been kind of a, a moving target. So it's really hard to say. It's a great question. It's, I, I don't know if anyone really knows. I think there's some names out there that we have been going after. Uh, but it's changed quite a bit from where it was maybe at the beginning of this 2018 process. Uh, when you talk about defensive line, I guess you guys put this into two different spots. You got the five technique defensive ends essentially in a three-four, in a true three-four, and you got your defensive tackle positions. In the five techs, the our, probably our biggest target was was Stephon Wynn, uh, who committed to Alabama a couple weeks back. He's six-four, two eighty-five. He's a perfect prototype fit for that five tech defensive end position. But unfortunately, uh, while we were leading for a while, Alabama kind of swooped in at the last second there and was able to peel him away from our grasp. Uh, he has some very very uh, nice things to say about us when he talked about his commitment to Alabama. So I don't think we're completely out of that. We're definitely going to continue to recruit him and try to flip him. I, it's hard to flip a guy from Alabama like that. We've done it before, um, but it's an uphill battle for sure. Um, so that, I think that was a pretty big miss at the five-tech spot. I think he's going to be a really good player. And the other guy that we're really going hard for right now at the five-tech seems to be uh, Kingsley Inigbari, who I'm really high on at Hateville Charter. Um, he needs to grow. I think he needs to add a little bit more weight. But I think give him a year in a, in a college system, or by the time he actually graduates, I think his body will be in, in good shape to be a contributor as a five-tech guy for us there. Kind of, kind of like in the frame of a Jonathan Ledbetter type guy 
maybe a David Marshall. I think more of a lead bear is what he looks like more than David Marshall. Marshall kind of sawed off. Uh, then the defensive tackle position, you mentioned a guy, Rick Sanchez, out of, South, or out of North Carolina, who at the Rivals five-star challenge just kind of blew people away. You know, I obviously was not at the five-star challenge, but watching a few clips that were presented from his reps there at that event, he looked really good, really explosive. You watch his tape, he's, he looks really good as well. You see the explosiveness, uh, the power. And then another guy that I think we have a really good shot to land is Tramel Walthour out of Liberty County, the same school that uh, – Richard LeCount went to, and he's he's six four, about two eighty. Um, not the biggest team to tackle prospect, but he kind of fits the mold of what Kirby's going for. You know, he, Kirby talks about how he, in this modern day and age, you spread offense, you want to have guys that can turn and chase the football, run after the ball, and uh, Tremel Walther kind of fits that mold right now. And he's really strong at the point of attack. He's athletic. He's versatile. There are times he lines up inside. That's where he does most of the time. I think he also has the athleticism to line up. At a five tech in certain situations, if the if it was called for, if it was part of your scheme, so those are some names I'd be looking at. I still think Win is an option there. We're still going to be recruiting him. Kinsley Anigbari is a guy that I think we will be that will be on our commit list sooner rather than later. Uh, Walthour might be a, another guy like that could be on our commit list sooner rather than later. And Sandage, we've got a lot of competition for him. I know South Carolina is heavily involved with him, um, but his family, from all accounts, really likes what they uh, have seen from Trey Scott, and he he visited here not too long ago, so. Could be a, a real possibility there. And he's a really good player, so I'd definitely like to land him. We need some depth. And honestly, in terms of our recruiting, that is the position I'm most worried about. We've we've had some big, high-profile misses the past two years. And then if uh, if you look at what we've got going on this year, I mean, we've got some good players on our list here, but they're just... Uh, you don't see a Derrick Brown. You don't see a guy like that. You don't. And then if you factor in also from the 2017 class, Devontae White, who knows if he's going to make it into school. That was our one true defensive tackle we signed last year. So defensive tackle death. I know we've got a lot of young guys on the roster right now that position. But moving forward, I'm very concerned about what we're doing with the defensive line position. We've got to get some big-time bodies up front to be able to, to compete week in and week out in the trenches in the SEC, which is probably outside of quarterback, maybe the, maybe the most important part of the game when it comes to SEC football. So I'm concerned about it. I want to see us make some strides there. We've had some high-profile misses in the past couple of years. The depth moving forward is kind of scary, so we got to kind of get some of these guys on board here sooner rather than later. be nice. Uh, all right, question number six. This is from Scott via email. Thank you, Scott. Uh, and Scott asks, obviously Justin Fields is number one on our board right now. I like this question. Obviously Justin Fields is number one on our board right now, but outside of him, who is the most important remaining uncommitted target target for us to land in the 2018 class. Kurt, who would you pinpoint there? It's oh, uh, a tough one. It's a good I'll, one. I like it. I'll probably go Jamari Salyer. Ah, see that I considered him too. Why Salyer? Um, I think he's going to be the best offensive line recruit we, we're after, and if we get him, I think he'll be the best one we get. He might very class. well be the best interior line prospect in the past five or six recruiting classes overall. And, and I'm, talking about, I'm, not, I'm talking about interior line. I'm not talking about Edge players. I'm not talking about tackle. I'm talking about interior alignment. It's very rare you see a guard ranked inside the top ten nationally because they're just not valued as highly as offensive tackles are, and their recruiting rankings they reflect that. Um, they're just typically not ranked as high if you're an interior prospect. But he is ranked in the top ten because he's a freaking monster on the interior. He's just a beast. One of the best, like I said, interior prospects come out in recent years. So. Dude, that is an awesome answer, and I, it's hard for me to disagree with that because, I mean, if you saw our offensive line play last year, whew, it was uh, it was a disaster. Let's just say that. Um, so that's a great pick there. I'm going to go a little different than you here, and I'm going to go Adam Anderson. 
All right, and I'm not going Salyer. I did. He was Salyer was my second pick. But the reason I'm not going Salyer is because we signed a couple of really good interior prospects last year uh, with Natori Johnson and Justin Schaefer. And I also am really high on some of the guys we already have um, on campus fighting for some of those positions, like a Solomon Kinley, who, could, who as a redshirt freshman this year could potentially start for us. We started for a couple years. So I don't think that the need moving forward is as great right now at offensive guard. Although I think that. Uh, Sawyer is probably the best of all those prospects that we signed. And if, if you add him, if you kind of line him up there with Kinley, with Notori Johnson, and with Schaefer, I would say Sawyer is definitely the best of those prospects, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, no doubt about that. But I don't know if the need is as pressing, especially when you consider we're also really high um, on the list for a guy like Trey Hill out of Houston County. He's probably going to play center for us, but he's going to play on the interior somewhere. I think we are recruiting more heavily as a, as a center right now. So I just don't think the need is as great. Whereas for Adam Anderson, like you just mentioned a few minutes ago, where what depth, what proven depth do we have at outside linebacker, out of that edge pass rusher position once Lorenzo Carter and Davin Bellamy leave? Who, who do we have that has any proven production whatsoever? You're right. We don't have any. We have none. Okay, we think that Chauncey Manak is going to be a good player. We hope so. DeAndre Walker's been on campus for two and a half years and hasn't done anything to this point. Now, maybe that'll come, the light will flip on for him. Maybe. I just I haven't seen it yet. He still, got, he still has to put on a lot of weight. He wants to be an every-down rusher. And then you look at Robert Beal, a guy that we were hoping and planning on having come in and contribute right away, uh, in the, at least in the two-deep at that position. He might not make it to campus. He hasn't made it to campus yet. He might have to go to the JUCO route. Who knows if he, ever, if he ever ends up in Athens? We don't know right now. So for those reasons, I think the need at that position is just greater right now. And, and to me, I think our defense has been really good the past couple of years. It hasn't been elite, though. And one of the reasons it has not been elite is because we have not had elite pass rushers. Adam Anderson is that in spades. In my opinion, I'm just one dude, but in my opinion, Adam Anderson is the best pass rusher in this entire class. Now, he needs to add on some weight, um, but I think he'll fill out his frame. But in terms of explosiveness, in terms of his pass rushing moves repertoire, I think he's the best one in the state. I mean, I watched him tear up Buford High School. And if you guys are not from the state of Georgia, Buford, in the the state championship game with Rome, he just absolutely tore them to pieces. I mean, how many sacks did he have in that game? There's at least three, and he had many more that were almost sacks. So when you do that to a program like Buford, who, let's be real, I mean, I know they don't play at the highest level, and they can they recruit players, and then they do, but still, that is one of the, if not the most preeminent high school football program in the state of Georgia, and Adam Anderson made them look like children. Now, Adam Anderson is a monster as an edge rusher, um, and if we get him, uh, I think he could definitely change the game for us coming off the edge there. So I'm going to go with Adam Anderson right now. We had him in the fall once upon a time, leaves to go to LSU, or decommits to commit to LSU with some of his buddies. They all are, well, at least one of them left. Um, was it Chapman left uh, to go to Tennessee, right? Uh, so I, it, it, there's still a long way to go with him, but I think that we have a really good shot in landing him. So I'm going to go with him right now as the most important remaining uncommitted target for us in this 2018 class. All right, uh, number seven here. Brooks on Facebook asks, what's the deal with the Akil Crumpton commitment? Should we be excited about this guy? Did you catch the news about that commitment, Kurt? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I um, definitely can see myself being excited about it. It's just the fact that I think he's an explosive player. Anytime you get someone that can be anything, it can be dangerous with the ball in their hands, I think it's good. I mean, you saw how Isaiah McKenzie can change a game in a you know, snap of a finger. 
Um, yeah. Sky's probably one of the best returners, uh, you know, in the return position in the Juco right Yeah. Well, the thing, yeah, you're right. Everything you said is 100% right. My question is, is he really committed? Because there has been no news, nothing coming out from any of our coaches. Usually at least tweet something out. There's been no confirmation, nothing like that from well, our coaches. The biggest thing is he can't sign the financial aid agreement, and then you really can't – you once it passes a certain date, you can't sign right. the uh, finding, or the um, letter of intent, so it doesn't right. count until on campus. I mean, he would have like with Roquan. There was no tweet or anything about Roquan until the day yeah. he showed up to campus. He would be – from what I can gather, Crumpton would be a blue shirt candidate, which essentially means – he would be playing for us uh, this year without a scholarship um, initially to start off with, but then he would get a scholarship once he gets on campus and everything gets, gets taken care of. And then, but he would actually count. He'd be, he'd be an initial counter for the 2018 class, not the 2017 class, from my understanding of the situation. So I think he's a blue shirt type guy. Um, and I also and I read an interview. I think it was on Rivals. I'm not sure. I can't remember one of those sites. Uh, with his head, with his head coach at the JUCO level, and his head coach said, "Yeah, we're he, at the end of the interview. He's like, yeah, we're not 100 percent sure um, if they're going to be able to take him right now. But from his point of view, basically, we told him that he had to get a, t- a certain grade on a, a, a certain score on a test. He got that score, so he just kind of said, all right, I'm going to tweet this out. I'm committed to Georgia now. Our coaches didn't necessarily confirm that right off the bat, but from, I think it takes a while for those scores to go through and to get through admissions and whatnot. But it seems like." It's going to go through uh, if he didn't get that test score he needed and that he will be on the team this fall in some capacity, whether it's as a blue shirt or whatever it is, however we kind of manage the numbers there, he will be on the team, it looks like. Again, don't have confirmation, but it appears that he will be on the team. And he's a he's a great return man, dude. I mean, if you watch his tape, he's electric. He is in the vein of an Isaiah McKenzie, a little bit bigger than McKenzie. I think he's like 5'9", so slightly bigger than McKenzie. But he could step in day one and fill that punt return role which I would not be shocked to see based on what I watched. I mean, again, just watching one set of highlights from him, he looked like he could step in from day one and be that guy, um, which I, I'd be cool. Because right now I, I, I really am high on Miko Hardman as a kick returner. The punt return game, I'm not 100% sure who that's going to be. I know we're looking at Tyreek McGee, Terry Godwin, but I think Crumpton might be a little more explosive, might be a little more of a dangerous threat back there than those guys. So, yeah, I'm excited about him um, if he actually does involve campus. We don't 100% know that. But uh, looks like it'll probably happen. Uh, number eight, Jamie on Twitter. Appreciate the question, Jamie. Uh, where do you expect our 2018 signing class to end up in the rankings by signing day? I guess he started uh, on signing day top February. 10. Top ten. Top ten. Yeah. I think I'll go with that. Uh, any chance at a top five? Yeah, I think there's always a chance. I think it really comes down to what happens mm-hmm. with. Uh, with fields. fields. If, okay, I'm not going to predict a top five. Pitch. I definitely think that we'll be in the top ten, somewhere in the seven to ten range once it's all said and done. With an outside shot of the top five, highly unlikely, but possible, if we land fields, and then it depends on how much pool does he have with some of these other high-level targets out there. How much do they want to play with a guy like Justin Fields? How many guys is he going to bring with him? If, if things go perfectly and ideally and he commits and then he brings a ton of talented prospects with him, uh, a guy like a Luke Ford, a James Cook out of Florida, some of those types of guys, then, yeah, absolutely we have a chance to get into the top five there. I don't think we'll be highly as rated as it was last year, but I don't think it'll be too far off when it's all said and done, especially considering I don't know if the numbers will be as high as they were last year. But the quality, I think, would be there. If we if we land some of those big-time targets we'll have left, well, obviously Justin Fields, James Cook out of Florida, Luke Ford, uh, tight end, 
Um, so there's some big t- obviously Trey Hill, Jamari Sawyer. If we land some of those guys, if we get Adam Anderson back in the fold, if we're able to flip Stephon Wynn or flip Brenton Cox with them back in the fold, absolutely this class could potentially be a top five class. I, I still wouldn't say that's the likely scenario right now. C- could happen. But I'd still say somewhere between the 7 and 10 ranges, um, probably what I'd be counting on at this point, at least for me. Uh, all right, last question here. This is a little bit of a different question, but uh, we'll go with it. What recruiting – sorry, not the name here. I'll have to go back and find them. Sorry, whoever sent this question in, I didn't write your name down. My bad. I completely missed the ball or missed the boat on that one. So, uh, But somebody asked, an anonymous person asked, what recruiting es- experts do y'all favor, such as Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell, Murph Baldwin, Trent Smallwood, Jake Reuse, Ryan Nabolsi, Jeff Sintel, dot, dot, dot. So, Kurt, who do, who's your go-to recruiting analyst of all those guys out there that cover the program? Well, sorry to ever ask the question, but i got to first off respond by saying that Murph Baldwin is not a recruiting expert. Yeah, I, yeah. I know Tyler and I both feel that way, that he is the exact opposite of a recruiting expert, but more or less a recruiting a recruit handler. So yeah. I, that's all say on that. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna try to stay away from the Murph Baldwin, but let me just say that I I I am with you. I don't consider I Murph Baldwin. I'll, I'll keep it simple. And say I don't. I don't consider him a recruiting expert. expert. Yeah, I'll just I'll leave it there. I know he has some relationship with the, with the 2019 guys, but I think that's for other reasons. Um, so he does have some insight into those guys, but that's just one year. Uh, so I don't think I I just I'll just leave it at this. I don't think Murph Baldwin. I don't consider him a recruiting analyst. I'll just leave it there. Uh, but uh, but uh, these so, other guys. Who would yeah, you go with? The other guys, I'll, I'll probably stick with two, and I'm probably going to go Trent Smallwood and Jake Reuse. Um, I think they have, they both deliver some pretty good information if you read the rivals boards. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're both pretty knowledgeable guys, just some good inside sources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't, I can't dispute that at all. Um, and look, I have, again, because if you guys listen to the show, you know that Curtis and I have, we do our best to evaluate these prospects, but we don't, like, we're not the guys who call them up and get all the information, get interviews with them and have the sources. We have a few sources around the football program up here in Athens, but like, we're not recruiting analysts per se. I, I, I like to evaluate the guys, watch the tape, watch them in person, watch them at camps, that kind of thing. But I, I'm not the recruiting analyst guy who is talking to all these guys, texting them back and forth. That's not what I do. These other guys do a great job. That's so what I do is I, uh, I have subscriptions to basically all of those sites uh, whether it's 247, Rivals, Scout, all of them. Um, even a little bit of Jeff Sintel and the AJC. Obviously, you don't have to have a subscription there. But um, And I kind of synthesize what they all have to say and try to piece things together. And I think they all do a great job. They all do a really good job. Um, but for me, I'm kind of with you, Kurt. If I had to pick one guy I trust more than the others, I'd probably go with Trent Smallwood. Um, and he look, and the reason I say that is I think Trent has good sources. He doesn't oversell, which some of those guys have a tendency to do. They kind of oversell, like, oh man, July's gonna be a big month. We've got momentum coming, big mo's right around the corner, and then inevitably it falls flat on its face. Um, so he doesn't oversell. Uh, he communicates the information to his customer base without compromising the trust of his recruits and sources. Some of those guys they have a lot of information, but they're so vague is that they don't really give out much information to their customer base because, and I get it, they don't want to blow their sources and, and, and that they want to continue to get information these guys. Well, what good does the information do if your customers aren't getting what they're asking for? So I think he does a good job kind of balancing that. Um, and I think he interacts really well without demeaning his customers. He gives timely information, good updates. So I think they all do a great job. But if I had to go with one, I'd, I'd probably go with Trent Smallwood. And Roddy, like Roddy at UJ Sports, he isn't necessarily a recruiting guy anymore. Once upon a time he was, but he he owns UJ Sports. I mean, he runs that website and uh, he kind of dabbles in recruiting here and there. But he's not a full-on recruiting guy anymore. And Jeff Sintel, uh, I think he's very good at what he does. Like he, but what Sintel 
what he does is he, he more so profiles recruits and kind of familiarizes the fan base with these guys and, like, and kind of who we're going after. He isn't really uh, an evaluator. Uh, he isn't involved in ranking prospects, anything like that. Um, but he has a great platform at the AJC. So with that platform, he's able to get a lot of firsthand interviews with the guys that we're recruiting. And he, got, he does a great job with that. But um, if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with Smallwood. I'd, I'd go with Smallwood there. All right, guys. Well, that'll do it for our all-recruiting edition of the listener mailbag here today. Check back with us later this week, and we'll have the all-team edition, all the questions you guys have about the team players, uh, opponents, schemes, coaches, all that stuff. We'll have all of those questions you guys sent in for us later in the week, so don't think we forgot about you. We definitely did not. Uh, if you, you still have some time to send some of those questions in. If you haven't gotten them in yet, we'll definitely still take them and do our best to get to each and every question. And you can send those to us. On Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. Email GloryUGAPodcast at gmail.com. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, the Glory UGA Podcast Facebook page. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening, guys. We always, always appreciate the support you give us. And as always, go dogs.